0: You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Are you an only child, an eldest, youngest or middle child in your family? How much impact do you think it's had on who you are today? Michael Gross is a parenting educator and author of Why Firstborns Rule the World and Laterborns Want to Change It. He sees birth order as something that doesn't just impact our children, but also something that impacts the way we parent. It was first published in 2003 and Michael has just revised it, mainly to incorporate how family size has changed over the years. Welcome to Fee Play, Love. Hi, Siobhan. Um, how much influence does birth order have on the kind of person we are?
1: Okay, that sounds like a sceptic there. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Not at all. I'm a youngest child, so I probably believe all of it. <laughs> okay, a
1: fellow youngest child. Look, it's leaves more of an imprint than we probably give credit for. We've got to look at it's, the, the notion of this. What is it that makes up a human being? Is it nurture or nature? And it's basically, let's put it this way, that um, we're born with a temperament, we're born with genetics, obviously, that genetic imprint, and that's almost like potential. That doesn't change over time. And what we put around that is the environment, which is probably what I call the family frame. And the family frame are, you know, what's the impact of parents and and the immediate family have on a child. And you can usually tell by that impact, by what all the children in a, in a family have in common. So if all the kids are independent, that's a reasonable chance. That's a that's a prime value for mum and dad. Um, and so that's, in some ways, that's the sort of a, the, the parenting aspect. But what also we often miss out on is that um, there's a birth order personality or impact that... Families aren't an, an even playing field. Kids are born into a different position. Parents are more experienced or less experienced, depending on which child. And so that's where the birth order aspect comes in. So it's almost a third layer, and it's the layer we often miss out on. And it's a simple fact that, um, you know, as the firstborn, firstborn comes into a world, firstborns tend to live with pressure. And, you know, that's it's a big event when the first one comes into that world, which is quite a different birth... Um, when say the third or the fourth one comes into the world it's not as big event there's more kids within the family that that youngest one's got to find a a niche or a place Um, so everything is different there and what we do know is that sort of imprint the patterns which are set do carry on Um, it's not the only determinant but it does carry on outside the family and I guess you see it in sorts of ways that for instance certain professions have more birth orders and positions than others. So law, for example, is a is predominantly firstborns. And I guess there's a status thing there. We, you know, it's more of a high status profession. So a lot of parents will push their firstborns to more towards that that way, I guess. So it certainly does have impact outside of families. But I guess what we're talking about is, you know, what's the impact on kids? What's the impact within a family? And it's quite significant.
0: So, if we take a three-child family—eldest, middle, and youngest—can you talk us through the characteristics of each role?
1: Yeah. Look, and again, a, a three-child family is a is a group. So we've got to look at the notion of you know how do groups operate, and that's how birth order works. We, you, know, you put three people within a group and you suddenly will, you'll all take roles, whether you're an adult or a teenager or a child. And fairly similar within a family that the kids will take up roles, so to speak, but there's almost some of the roles are predetermined. So if you've got your typical, and I'm going to say typical because gender impacts, and I can unpack that a little bit in a minute, and also the the, the space between kids impacts. So um, in this day and age, we tend to have kids close together, which makes the birth order thing easier. So typically a firstborn is that sort of, uh, you know, that huge event that I talked about. And they tend to be the groundbreakers. Uh, Parents often overdo it with the firstborn. There's a picture of them doing every single thing. Um <laughs> and I guess they tend to be a little bit more anxiety prone. So when I think of birth order, I think of they're often a little bit more bossy. They like to be in charge. They tend to be the family conservatives. So what do I mean by that is if you're an academic family, there's a, a reasonable chance your firstborn will be more academic. They sort of follow the family line, so to speak. Right. Also the sort of the rule takers. They're not great risk takers. When it comes to trying new things, I like to stick to the straight and narrow, and also I tend to be a little bit more achievement-oriented as well. So firstborns have its privileges, get all the attention, and it also has its, I guess, its drawbacks, and the drawbacks is with that attention comes a certain amount of, of pressure. And then I guess you have the next one, a second one, and the second, if it' a family of three, tends to be either second or middle. And the second one tends to be different than the first. So you look at the first one and the first one tends to be maybe an academic star, reasonable chance the second one will do well enough to keep mum and dad off my back, but I'll do well in another area. They tend to have more friends. They tend to look outwards of the, from the family as well. And we know the research tells us that middle kids or, or seconds tend to lead the family first. And that happened in my own family where a family of three where my... um my second one left the family first, um, and you know they often look outwards from the family because they don't have that same sense of or the perks of privileges of of the first, the youngest. And I guess the youngest one in, the, in a family of three is born into a completely different position. They should write a, a letter to their older sibling, thanking them for breaking their parents in for them. Because <laughs> they do, they do have a relaxed, more relaxed life in many ways. And youngest ones also too, and we we know that youngest tend to use what we call low power uh, communication skills to get by. Um, eldest one will often keep kids in their place by uh, less than pleasant physical ways sometimes or or standing <laughs> their ground and being assertive. And the youngest one realises they can't out out um, outsmart or they can't outrun their oldest sibling, but they can actually certainly outsmart them. So they tend to be the one that that um, use charm and manipulation, et cetera, to get their own way. So they use a different set of skills. Typically, they, you know, I've mentioned the firstborn is going to be more likely to be the family um, the conservative, the follow the family way. Good chance the youngest one will be as successful as everyone else but might do it in a completely different way. Academic family, well, I might be a tradie or, or do something quite quite different. Also, to um, within a group, they tend to be a little bit more the creative ones. Very often, um, tend to be a little bit more the, of the creatives. They're also risk takers in in some ways. They're not as hide bound by um, approval. Firstborns love approval, and youngest ones, because there's a space between them and their parents, have never had that so much approval, so much so, so not as bothered by it. So they tend to be quite different. And also, youngest ones within a family, they often it's not until their elder siblings um, leave or go their own path till the youngest ones start to shine. Because whenever a youngest one does something, there's always an older one in the in the family to bring them undone. Um, you know, look, you idiot, don't do that sort of stuff. And so they, they tend to sort of be squashed to a degree. Um, and when oldest ones leave, uh, they often will shine as well. So so there tends to be the three sort of categories. Now that we've got smaller families... Um, and that's part of the notion of the, the book why firstborns rule the world and laterborns want to change it, is that now we've got 60% of families in developed countries such as Australia with two kids or less. We're starting to see this, this small, these small families and I put them now into almost two groups. You've got a you know the firstborns, which are the eldest child or an only, and we're starting to see the laterborns, which is the second group, and that can be a secondborn and that can be a youngest as well. And also it could be a middle, but we don't see as many middles now because there's not as many kids who are surrounded by others. So I sort of tend to look at a little bit more as firstborns and laterborns now.
0: You mentioned there that you could unpack gender a little bit for us, because I imagine there are a lot of parents now, I'm thinking of myself, I have a my daughter's the eldest and my son is the youngest. And I know that both my partner and I are very conscious of not putting certain rules on my daughter that I'm not prepared to put on my son or vice versa because there were different rules for me growing up yeah. to my eldest yeah. brother. Um, what, how does gender play out today?
1: Yeah, look, it plays out in two ways. And that's a really good you know, sort of question you, you it raised. I mean, it's one of those hidden things that we, hidden aspects of birth order that we often don't give enough credence to. So it plays out firstly is that culturally, some cultures will put more value, and I, I don't mean that in a nasty way, will value a gender more than others. And so when whatever that gender is, which is highly valued, then what tends to happen is parental resources will go towards that, that child. the parental resources often attention and and other resources as well they put more effort in in some ways and and so if if a boy is born second to in a culture which is more highly valued that more highly values boys there's a reasonable chance that firstborn that that second born might become and take up the firstborn characteristics which i spoke about which is like the family conservative follows the family way takes the family farm um Where's the crown Prince William et cetera, <laughs> um, as well so there's that aspect and we do live in a multicultural society and so you know we, I start to look around you can actually see that in, in place in some ways. and that's and the second thing is is the maturity gap between boys and, and girls, the fact that girls tend to mature and grow up a little bit earlier in the areas that we as teachers and parents value such as verbal skills, um, reading, literacy those sorts of areas and what you'll often see is that if you've got a firstborn boy and then a girl who's born second two years down the track you'll often see that girl start to do exactly the same things as the firstborn boy can do um, and that can be a real discourager so sometimes you'll see the firstborn boy gives up in that way and the secondborn girl sort of almost takes over and becomes more like a firstborn and it's called yeah. a leapfrog and it happens in in in, quite, in, in many circumstances. I'm, I'm not too sure, I can't quantify it, but I see it happen and play out a lot. So there, there are some factors. One of the reasons why that gender factor, particularly for second born girl is important is that when you're first born, the one thing you want to be is keep a competency gap between you and those you follow. And that's why often those first borns will spend a lot of their time keeping you as a mum or a dad up to date with the second born's latest Uh, misdemeanors misdemeanors um (laughs) you're not as good as me second born I've noticed with my grandkids um Mm. I've got a a a grandson who's five his younger brothers brothers three we went to the school and saw his classroom and we and the same day we went and saw the younger ones um kinder room and so the the conversation the way back home in the car was all about how the firstborn school was bigger. Than mm. the younger ones, kindergarten, and isn't that wonderful? So that tends to be that firstborn you know, keep you in your place, and so it can be a real discourage with you that firstborn trying to keep someone in, else in their place, yet they're better than you,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and they, they leapfrog you. So that's sometimes when there where there are some quite some problems, and that depends a little bit on temperament. If you have got the a, a temperament of your eldest ones, a little bit more laid back, um, and allow that to happen, well, then things seem to be fine. If that firstborn's temperament is is not so laid back, then there can be a few fireworks.
0: You mentioned earlier that um, if you're an old, eldest child or an only child, you sort of mentioned them both together. Are only children? Do they tend to have the same characteristics as an eldest child?
1: They do. They do. They're super firstborns, but they experience—they don't experience the ignominy of dethronement. So they—they <laughs> haven't been dethroned. So they have those characteristics, but they also have, I think, their own set of characteristics, which is they'll often pick up their this their same gender parents birth order characteristics that often you'll see those through and it depends a little bit i think if you're parenting an only child um i think you've got to be quite conscious and be don't be too serious and don't be too intense because there's an intensity factor there one thing that firstborns and onlys have in common is they tend to be more introverts They're, they're more likely prone to introversion and they'll often pick up their parents neuroses as well because um a little bit closer to their parents, so they do share some characteristics. Um, but I think there are now so many only children that if they were a, a political party, they'd be now part of the mainstream, and so they have their own characteristics as as well.
0: How does birth order impact the way we parent? For example, both my husband and I are youngest children.
1: Hmm, good. That's that's the best. Um, that's a good partnership. That one, one's. <laughs> um, you probably. I'm. I'm picking up that. That, um, and I often say this in a joking manner that I don't know how the garbage is put out, but um, <laughs> family get it pretty laid back. Whereas as we parent, we bring a a lot into the job of parenting. We're not blank slates we obviously bring our gender we obviously if we've been parented well or not so well we bring some of those aspects into it um, and so one of the aspects we bring into it is our position in the family our birth order position so and we tend to to almost parent through that lens and also will impact on how we relate to kids so you know or, for example, I'm the youngest in my family by a long, long shot. And I spent a lot of time on my own. I wasn't all that particularly happy about being the youngest one. And I certainly realized that, and I tended to um, many, many ways identify with my, my youngest one. Um, You know, that she would often spend time on her own and I feel, oh, poor kid, I know what it's like. So we tend to, you know, we can identify with certain, with, with certain positions, but we also bring that aspect into it. So as a youngest one, most youngest kids uh, as parents are survivors. They allow their kids <laughs> to take a little bit more risks because our parents took more risks on us and we know it intuitively didn't do us too much harm. So we tend to be more go with the flow and I think that a lot of firstborn parents, the, the typical reaction is, how do I fix this? How do I change this? Nice idea, Michael, or birth order, but now what do I do with it? So i always very conscious when I work with parents I try and sneakily find their birth order, and often birth order firstborns want to control. They want to. They're very much like. Sorry, if you're listening to this and you're relating to that, but um, <laughs> they often like to control things. Um, mm. And and youngest ones tend to be a little bit more laid back. So we bring that into our parenting.
0: And what about middle children, Michael? Because I guess um, uh, the position. generation.
1: Great position depends how you have been Depends how you how you grew up. Um, Middle kids often are very much into justice. It's not fair. You, you know, it, it's, I don't get, I never got the privileges of the first born or the easy run of the youngest one. Um, I always had to sit in the middle of the car. Never got <laughs> oh, that. And, and so often fairness and justice um, is something which they bring into, into it. But I think that as parents, they tend to be a little bit more conscious of the fact that uh, no child should be left behind that they're often more conscious of connecting with their kids um on a one-to-one basis so i think we bring that in and from resilience aspect second borns or, or or middles tend to be more resilient because flexibility is one of their gifts they've always had to sort of um they don't have as high as expectations they've always been woken up to pick up the firstborn from kinder and school and those sorts of things so they sort of had to fit in which is a great gift in many ways so I think missing the middles and having less middles around is probably a losing a, a gift to the world in many ways um so yeah that's they
0: the often the diplomat diplomat oh, my definitely. sister's a middle one she's definitely the diplomat of the family
1: yeah we, we call them a glue the, the middles tend to be the glue in the in the, in the family and glue in the group as well. And one of the things about middles, of course, is the fact that, uh, and I believe you practice on your siblings. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of the skills you learn within your family, you you know, you, you learn how to negotiate, you learn how to give in, you learn a bunch of stuff, which stands you in good stead when you go into the playground and, and the school ground. Um, and middles tend to learn how to duck and weave from the eldest one and they also learn how to boss or manipulate or get on or whatever it is with the youngest one. So they they, they learn a bunch of skills around working with people and they tend to take that into, into their jobs as well. Those sorts of things don't just disappear. Uh, they tend to take them to school and, and into later life as well. They, so you're right, they tend to be the, more the diplomats and the, and the people people. I call them the glue within a group.
0: Michael, I could talk to you all afternoon about this. There's so much you're saying is resonating with me, but I will have to wrap it up. (laughs) Thank you so much for chatting with us today.
1: That's a pleasure.
0: That's Michael Gross. He's the author of Why Firstborns Rule the World and Later Borns Want to Change It, and there'll be links to the most recent edition in the links of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.